May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be aligned with your spirit, O God, our creator and redeemer. Amen. Maya Angelou has been one of my absolute favorite writers ever since I was first introduced to her at the age of 14. When I read her autobiography, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. I have devoured so much more of her writing and poetry over the years. In one of her later books, titled Letter to My Daughter, she shares a vignette from her life that I want to share with you. Maya is in Senegal and reaches out to uh, some friends. Samia, who's a Senegalese, sorry, Senegalese actress, and Pierre, her husband, both of whom she had met several years earlier in a community of artists that gathered together in London. And Samia invites Maya over for dinner. She enters this beautifully furnished living room, bright with people and lively discussion. A server offers her a glass of wine and Samia introduces her to several of her friends. Eventually, Maya wanders into another room and finds an equally stunning space with a gorgeous oriental rug in the center and people lined up along the wall just at the fringes of the rug talking to one another and looking at the beautiful artwork hung on the wall. This puzzles Maya as she is so drawn to that beautiful rug. And it brings to mind for her a woman she knew in Egypt who would not allow her servants to walk on the rugs. She said only her family and friends were going to wear out her expensive rugs. Maya decides her friend Samia had done the same and told her guests not to step on her rug. Here's a quote from what she writes. I went into the room and in the guise of looking closely at some paintings on the wall, I walked across the center of the rug and then turned back to walk to another painting. I must have stepped on the rug four or five times. The guests who were bunched up on the sides smiled at me weakly. They might be encouraged to admit that rugs were to be walked on. A Senegalese woman then engages Maya in conversation and then she writes, two maids come and roll up the rug that she had walked upon and took it away. And they returned immediately with another equally as beautiful. And they spread it and patted it until it was smooth. 
They then put glasses on the carpet and huge serving spoons, folded napkins and silverware, wine and pitchers of water. And finally, a bowl of steaming rice and chicken was placed on the carpet. Samia and Pierre appeared and announced that they were serving the most popular Senegalese dish, yassa, for our sister from America, Maya Angelou. Shall we sit? And all the guests sank to the floor. Maya writes, clever and so proper, proper Maya Angelou, I had walked up and down over the tablecloth. I love this story. It so clearly speaks to how much we human beings are utter enigmas to one another. She's in a foreign country with many different languages being spoken, with different customs and traditions and values at play. Yet the power of her own internal narrative, the narrative that is overriding the external cues that no one else is walking on the rug, but instead are standing together around the edge of the room, the power of that internal story that she makes up is so strong, it compels her to act. This internal drive for sense-making, for being in control in an unfamiliar situation, takes a story from over here of a woman in Egypt and superimposes it upon this situation with her friend Samia, different setting, different people, and she believes that story she is telling herself, that she knows what's really going on here. We can't always believe the stories we tell ourselves inside our heads about what is true. Science tells us that each single second of time, our brains are taking in over a hundred thousand data points of information. In a single second, over a hundred thousand data points. And within that second, our brains almost instantaneously narrow our absorption and attention down to around 30,000 of those data points, discarding the other 70,000. What scientists have learned is that the way that our brains select which data points to retain and which to discard is driven by which points we have experienced previously. That is the neural pathway that has already been connected once before. And so that is the quickest pathway for our brains to follow. Maya sees a rug 
that is for walking upon. She is nervous. And so others must be nervous too. Clearly that is about the rug and this story that she knows over here about a woman in Egypt. Samia sees the gorgeous oriental rug as a beautiful plush tablecloth with which she can honor her friend Maya from America. She will bring out the fancy dinnerware and her guests will be comfortable sitting on this rug, laughing together and connecting. That is what she has known. It is challenging to quiet our mind and our nervous system to the point that we can just be fully present and live in the discomfort of allowing ourselves release from the need to be fully in control, fully believing everything that we think our rational mind is telling us and instead to open up and allow ourselves to experience the vulnerability so that we might discover more, also equally true data points, which show us more about ourselves, God, and one another. Let me pull this into the gospel. Jesus is in his hometown, and there are so many people there who know him as Mary and Joseph's son. And they can't quite wrap their minds around what he is doing and teaching and practicing. The neural pathway for them has already been formed. This is Jesus, the little boy that they knew. They can't see otherwise. And so Jesus pivots. He sends his disciples to share God's healing, to share God's liberating love. And the amazing brilliance of God, of Jesus, is that with great insight into our human nature, Jesus sends his disciples out in pairs and tells them to take nothing for the journey. Jesus says, when you go out in my name, go in this way, with just the clothes on your back and the sandals on your feet. As a mother, I would have told them to pack an extra pair of underwear and socks, but, but Jesus is actually very specific. He says, no, you cannot bring any just in case, in case of emergency supplies. Go with this posture. Be vulnerable. Just the two of you, that is all you will need. He intentionally sends them without anything that could be used as a barrier or impediment to building relationships. And he sends them out in pairs, 
because it is only in community that we discover and are transformed. In isolation, we are changed to our own partial truth, our own internal dialogue. In fact, Jesus says, when you enter a village, stay at someone else's house and eat the food that they feed you. Be at the mercy and grace of another's hospitality. Let's sit with that for a moment. The disciples who bear all their learnings from sitting at the feet of Jesus as he taught in the synagogues and preached to the crowds and healed in the villages, those same disciples are now being sent out on Jesus's behalf to heal. And he is telling them, bring nothing with you but yourselves. Be vulnerable, utterly at the mercy of another's kindness and hospitality. It is not about the teachings, but it is about embodying those teachings. It is about the being. Set aside the narrative that you are carrying around in your head and move into your heart. Open yourselves to receive the full grace of another's hospitality. Be heart vulnerable. Be embodied and bring down all those defenses so that you are also body vulnerable. Being sent is not about bringing to another some sage teaching. Being sent is about being vulnerable and open to receiving from another, friend and stranger alike. Because that is where the kingdom of God is. When two or three are gathered in that heart vulnerable space, that's the good stuff. That's where you get deep into the morrow of life, the real story of who we are in our hearts and our souls. That's where we can get into healing the pain we carry within, and that is within another. The yearning to see and be seen. We become aware of our common desire to return again to the heart of who we are, a people made by the source of all love, for love and healing in the world. Jesus teaches his disciple that the true power of discipleship is in being utterly vulnerable and open to receiving the grace and hospitality of another. 
That is how we build real relationship. That is how you will see and be the beauty of God's kingdom of love. Over the course of the past year, I have seen some of this hurt vulnerability at work here among us in individual conversations with one another and around big challenges that we are facing in our church and country that can seem so insurmountable. Whether it is in our understanding of systemic racism or the pandemic of gun violence or generational poverty or political strife or even our varied approaches to the pandemic, these are not easy places to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to within conversation be at the mercy of another's hospitality. And yet, when we are able to quiet our internal narrative and move into our heart space with a posture of vulnerability and openness, it is then that we can begin to find that common heart space from which we start to understand one another better, know one another more fully, and truly see one another. Remember the 100,000 data points? You take in 30,000 and your neighbor in the pew next to you takes in another 30,000, and I'm taking in another 30,000. They are all equally a true, real experience of the same thing. But our brains each see and take them in differently. We, on our own, see so very dimly. But together, collectively, as we open ourselves to one another and are vulnerable with our different seeing and knowing, then we can begin to see more fully. It's like these stained glass windows that surround us. Each piece of glass is beautiful, and each little piece is uniquely shaped. There are numerous dimensions and variations within even just one single pane of the glasses. Each piece is a part of the whole, but is not the whole. When the purple glass comes alongside the red glass and the blue glass comes alongside the green and the pieces allow themselves to be shaped, curved or pointed and molded with the various edges of the other, then the beauty of the whole depiction of truth comes together 
to be revealed. So it is with us, with humanity. There were so many ways that Maya Angelou's dinner party could have played out in the end. Somewhere within her, Samia, the hostess, recognized a person who was caught up in her own internal false narrative. A person who could not see the unintended impact of her walk across the rug. And Samia chooses a response of compassion, grace, and love. She sends one of her friends over to engage Maya in conversation and quietly has the carpet rolled up and a new one set out and calls everyone over to sit down together for a meal to celebrate their sister from America. It is hard work, but this is where we truly will find ourselves and one another, in the vulnerable heart space conversations. It is the way that we begin to heal ourselves and our nation and the whole of God's creation. As followers of Jesus, we are a people sent. We are sent out together to be vulnerable, to be open to learning new truths and seeing in new and varied ways. We are a people sent out to embody that heart vulnerability that is the possibility for transformation, for understanding, and for more moving together into the fullness and beauty of God's creation that we collectively are created to be. Amen.